This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 28 The Ilkley Moor Encounter Ilkley Moor is known for its wide open expanses of boggy grasslands and harsh yet beautiful landscapes. Trees and wild brush line its low hills and shallow valleys. Ilkley Moor paints an eerie setting and is said that it can be especially unsettling during the day and even more so at night. In the winter, the northern fogs descend on the land, presenting a scene like something out of a horror movie. Ilkley Moor is positioned between two towns, Ilkley in the north and Keeley to the south. It is also known by its vast myths and legends based on the area. Large rock formations and boulders can be found all over with strange markings and carvings in them, which are said to date back more than 10,000 years. Many reports have been made over the years describing strange phenomena, from odd lights in the sky to reports of strange creatures being spotted throughout the moor. One specific report would go on to make international headlines and become one of the most iconic tales of its kind. This is the story of the Ilkley Moor encounter. Philip Spencer a retired policeman of four years, moved with his wife and child to the Ilkley Moor area of West Yorkshire, England. Leaving their previous life behind, the family moved from the city to be closer to the wife's parents. The area was much different than Spencer had been used to. One morning on December 1st, 1987, Spencer decided to go for a walk and visit his in-laws across the moor. He set out on foot to make the hour journey to a neighboring village. Under normal circumstances, he wouldn't have taken this particular route, especially in the darkness of the early morning, but it was a significant shortcut over walking the main roads. Spencer had recently acquired a fondness for photography, a hobby he had picked up since his retirement. He brought along his camera with him, loaded with the high ASA-rated film designed for low-light conditions, in hopes of capturing some of the odd light anomalies caused by the rising sun over the morning mists, which the Moors were well known for, and getting some extra shots of the town below the moor. 
despite the true beauty of the moors, they can be quite unforgiving at times due to thick fog and high winds. It can be easy for someone to lose their way while hiking across them. To ensure this didn't happen, Spencer chose to pack his compass as a precautionary measure. That morning was particularly cold and overcast. Spencer could feel the frost-covered ground crunch under his feet as he slowly continued his journey. Despite the conditions, Spencer actually found his walk to be calming, allowing him to clear his head and breathe in the fresh, more air. As he was walking, he came to the realization the sun had already risen over the horizon without his knowing or even seeing it rise. This struck him as odd because he hadn't been walking for very long at this point. At that moment, he heard a faint humming sound in the distance. He took out his camera to take a couple pictures of the landscape when out of the corner of his eye, he saw something scurry across the grassy bog. He immediately turned his head and to his surprise, saw something standing there. Something of which would change his life forever. Standing on a slight incline, Spencer saw a greenish figure, roughly four feet tall. At first glance, he thought it was a child in a costume, but as he continued to stare at the figure, it became clear to him that the figure was not human at all. Its head was abnormally large and had big, black, oval-shaped eyes. Spencer attempted to call out to the figure, Hey! He yelled. In response, the figure raised its hand, waving, and almost warning him to not come any closer. Despite his shock, Spencer slowly raised his camera, focusing on the creature, and snapped a photo. At that moment, the creature quickly turned and retreated up the incline and out of sight. Spencer hurried after the creature and made his way up the hill. When he had made it to the top, he heard the humming sound again and saw a dome-shaped saucer with a small white cube with odd holes etched into it just above the dome and then shoot off into the sky at fantastical speeds. It moved so quickly, he didn't have time to take another photo. He stood there, confused and in shock by what he had seen. He stared into the clouds trying to make sense of everything. He scanned the area for any clues that may explain what had happened, but he was left with nothing. There was no sign that the creature nor the strange craft had ever been there. Spencer started to feel disoriented, so he took out his compass to check his location. Despite him being sure he was facing north, the needle of the compass seemed to point to the south. He shook the compass about, thinking the needle may be stuck, but it did not change. Fortunately for Spencer, he knew the moors well at this point and decided to ignore the reading on his compass and go with his gut. He continued his journey onward to the nearest village. After some time, he arrived. As he made his way into the town, he checked the town clock. 
to his surprise, it read just past 10 a.m., two hours later than his watch read. He remembered earlier during his walk, thinking it seemed much lighter than it should have been, as he started his journey at 7 a.m. The walk should have only taken an hour at max. However, over three hours had passed by that time. After coming to the realization he had lost time, he remembered the photo he had taken of the creature. He quickly hailed a bus and made his way to the town of Keeley, to a developing lab to have the film developed. After examining the photo and despite the poor image quality, it was easy to see he had caught the otherworldly creature on film. He felt like he had stumbled upon something of importance and decided to reach out to well-known ufologist in the United Kingdom, an author of The Truth Behind Men in Black, Government Agents, or Visitors from Beyond, Jenny Randalls. He sent a letter explaining the photo and everything he had experienced. She then put him in contact with Peter Hoff, a UFO researcher and investigator. Hoff was initially skeptical of Spencer's story and thought it was too good to be true. However, after meeting with Spencer and further inspecting the photo, he was convinced he was dealing with a man of integrity and found the case to be genuine. He learned that Spencer wanted no recognition for the photo and just wanted answers to what he had seen. He chose to remain anonymous and under Hoff's suggestion, formed the pseudonym Philip Spencer. Hoff wanted to have the photo analyzed by a number of specialists. They first sent it to Tony Marshall, a wildlife photography expert, who confirmed that the creature in the image was not of any wild or domestic animal local to the area. He found it to appear more humanoid in shape. They attempted to recreate the photo, but the only real evidence they could confirm was that the creature had to have had been four to four and a half feet tall, matching Spencer's claims. The photo was then sent to Kodak Laboratories in Hemel Hempstead. It was there where analysis confirmed that whatever had been captured on film was part of the original photograph and had not been doctored. They decided to send the photo to one more person to analyze it, Dr. Bruce Maccabee, an optical physicist for the United States Navy. He concluded that the slow shutter speed used for low light conditions made the film too grainy for proper analysis. Feeling defeated by the lack of definitive proof regarding the photo, Hoff turned his attention to other aspects of the case. He sent the compass to be analyzed by Dr. Edward Spooner of the University of Manchester Institute of Science and Technology. There were no signs of radiation found on the compass. However, it was confirmed the polarity of the compass needle had been reversed, suggesting that it had been subjected to a strong, magnetic field at some point. Additionally, Liz Kelly of the Radiological Protection Board was sent to do a site survey where the saucer was said to have been seen. No radiation nor magnetic anomalies were found in the area. On June 15, 1988, 
Spencer called Hoff late at night. He explained that two men had stopped to visit him that day, claiming to be from the Ministry of Defense. The men appeared to be middle-aged and wore black suits. Upon flashing their IDs, they identified themselves as Jefferson and Davies. Although humorous, Spencer didn't suspect ill intent and invited the men in and sat down with them to have a chat. Spencer's wife was also in attendance. The man who called himself Jefferson explained to Spencer that he wanted to discuss the incident that took place at Ilkley Moor. This shocked Spencer as he had only told a handful of people of the incident and there was no way the information could have been found out by the Ministry of Defense at that time. However, both agents appeared to be well informed of the details of what had happened and also had numerous questions for Spencer. The men proceeded to state their main goal and objective was to recover the photo that was taken at the moor. After Spencer told them he was no longer in possession of the photo, the men became visibly upset and left his residence. Spencer told Hoff he was nearly ready to abandon the case for fear that people were learning of his real identity and he didn't want the press to contact him. Hoff talked Spencer down and they ended the call. The next morning, Spencer called Hoff again, this time claiming that the Mirror Group newspapers had just called him. They knew his real name and address and were going to carry a story. Spencer then called the newspaper's Manchester office and asked to speak to the man writing the story about a UFO photograph to try and stop them from publishing the article. To a surprise, they stated they knew of no such story. However, Spencer still felt that Hoff had alerted the media and requested the original negative back, for fear the case was too dangerous to continue. Despite his hesitation, he agreed to allow them to move forward into their investigation. Over the next few months, Spencer began to have strange dreams and as a result became deeply concerned with the missing time he'd experienced. Hoff suggested he undergo regressive hypnosis. They contacted Dr. Jim Singleton who agreed to perform the session on March 16, 1988 at the home of Arthur Tomlinson who had been assisting Hoff. Also in attendance was Peter Hoff and Matthew Hill, friend and journalist of Hoff. Hill operated three different tape recorders as the session was conducted. Singleton began. I want you to cast your mind back to the 1st of December last year when you set off across the moor. I want you to clear your mind back to that and I want you to re-experience that. I want you to tell me what you experienced. I'm walking along the moor. Oh, it's quite windy. There's a lot of clouds. Walking up towards some trees, I see this little something. Can't tell, but he's green. It's moving up towards me. Oh, I'm stuck. I can't move, and the creature's still coming towards me. I'm stuck, and everything gone fuzzy. I, I'm floating along in the air. I want to get down. I still can't get down, and I don't like it. 
I'm going around this corner, and this green thing is in front of me. Oh god, I want to get down. There's a... There's a big silver saucer thing. There's a door in it. I don't want to go in there. Everything gone black now. You say everything gone black? Mm, I, I can't see anything like I'm asleep. I can't hear anything. There's a bright light now. Can't see where it's coming from. I'm in a funny sort of room. I can hear this voice saying, don't be afraid. I don't feel afraid anymore. I can still see this green thing, but I'm not afraid anymore of it. I'm being put on a table. I can move now if I want to, but I don't feel frightened anymore. And there's a beam, like a pole. It's above me. It's moving up toward me. It's got a light in it, like a fluorescent tube. It's coming up from my feet. I can hear that voice again saying, We don't mean to harm you, and don't be afraid. It makes me feel warm as it moves up me. It's coming up over my stomach, t towards my head. Close my eyes. I don't want to look at it in case it hurts my eyes. It's gone. There's something... My nose feels funny. That's, that's gone as well. I'm standing up now and I don't know how I got stood up. I can see a door there as one of these green creatures motioning for me to come with them. Don't really want to go with them. I'd rather stay here. I don't feel afraid in here. Can you tell me what's happening now? I'm walking towards a door. There's still a bright light. There's a light all around. Want to know where it's coming from. It's just bright all around. Walking down a corridor, there's there's a window. Oh god, is that real? Don't want to be up here. Want to be down there. I can hear that voice again saying, you've got nothing to fear. It's pretty though. Didn't realize it looked so pretty. I've gone past the window now, and I'm walking down a corridor. What's happening now? Come to the end of the corridor. There's a hole opened in it so I can walk through. I'm in a big room. A big, round room. I'm on a raised platform against the wall. My camera and compass are trying to get away from me, going towards the ball. It's difficult to pull them back down again. And this ball is moved round with strange... It's got some blocks on it. He says we can't stay in here too long. He wants us to go out again. The hole's closed in the wall. It's gone strange. He says I've got nothing to fear, but I'd still like to go home. It's got such big hands. What's happening now? Going down a corridor again. It's very bright still. I wish I knew where the light was coming from. And there's another door. Going through a door, it's an empty room. Two of those green creatures have come with me. There's a picture. It's starting to move on the wall. wonder how they get the pictures. Can you tell me what's happening at this point? I'm looking at the pictures on the wall. Pictures on the wall? Uh, creatures. Seem concerned at the damage that it's doing. Picture changing now. 
there's another picture, another film. He's asking me a question. He says, do you understand? I say, yes. It's time to go. Everything gone black. I'm walking up the moor again. I'm walking near some trees. Some movement. I can see something. A green creature. I've shouted to it. It's turned around. I don't know what it is. I'll photograph it. It's turned around now. It's moving quick. Want to know what it is. I'm running after it. It's gone round the corner. I can't see it now. There's... There's a saucer. A big silver saucer. It's disappeared. I'm walking on down... On past the trees. What's happening now? I'm going home. It's ten o'clock on the town hall clock. Can't really understand. It was only eight o'clock. You mentioned some green creatures. Would you try to describe them to me? It's quite small. He's got big pointed ears. It's got big eyes. They're quite dark. He hasn't got a nose. He's only got a little mouth. And his hands are enormous. And his arms are long. He's got funny feet. Funny feet? They're like a V-shape. Like two big toes. Must be difficult to walk like that. He shuffles rather than walks. I don't feel afraid of him, although he looks odd. You mentioned big hands. Can you say any more about the hands? It's got three big fingers, like sausages. Big sausages. They're just very big. Bigger than my hands. About how tall would you say these creatures are? It's about four foot. Comes to the lump on my stomach. He's about as high as just a bit bigger than my stomach is. Okay. Now I wonder if I can ask you another question. You mentioned a film? There were two films. Two films? One was lots of scenes of destruction, like on the news. You can see lots of waste going into the river, and people like Ethiopians who are starving. It's not very good. It's not very nice. Want to say anything more about that film? It's much of the same thing, only different. What about the other film, then? Do you want to tell me about it? I'm not supposed to. I'll leave that up to you entirely. Do you want to say anything about that? I'm not supposed to tell anyone about the other film. It's not for them to know. Is there anything more? No. Many question, including Spencer himself what he had seen that day. As the photo provides a small amount of evidence, as it has not been able to be debunked, despite the grainy image quality. It could very well be one of the best images of an extraterrestrial ever caught on film. Or, it could be one of the most wild hoaxes ever concocted. Believers will believe, and skeptics will always question One thing remains. Spencer's story has never changed or faltered to this day.
Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. Let's get into it. I nearly almost forgot that there. <laughs> yeah. The debrief. <laughs> it's the All debrief. Right. All right. Yeah. Here we go, guys. So, before we get into the story, we should do a little announcement. Yes. Right? Little yeah. announcements. Yeah, might as well. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's a perfect time to do it. Might as yeah, well leave so. everybody hanging on you know, what's <laughs> to be expected, what, we, what we're going to talk about here. Exactly. Just like right at the top, though, I, like we have officially launched our Patreon. And our merch store. Um, yep. Yeah, Patreon and merch store, which uh, are currently live. Um, we'll be posting links all over. <laughs> For sure. But uh, if you're interested in following our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. Absolutely. It's uh, a lengthy title, but well worth your time, I promise. (laughs) Definitely. Also, in hand with the Patreon, we've also launched our Discord server. Yes. And that's available to everyone. Yes. Discord is available to everyone. We encourage. uh, Just, again, check out our socials for the link. Um, yep. but uh, yeah we are trying to build a community obviously we do have Patreon specific channels uh, that are only mm-hmm. available to our patrons so again patreon.com slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling uh, yeah and speaking of Patreon speaking of Patreon we have someone to thank yes right yeah yeah we actually have our first patron our first pledge uh, Derek Olson. So yes. huge shout out Thank to you. you. Thank you. Thank you so Derek. much. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I again we hadn't even we hadn't even started advertising our Patreon yet. Um and this guy just yeah, just comes out of yeah. the park and is an instant sub without uh without even uh, us even mentioning it yet, which is awesome. So yes, yeah. thank you so much, Derek Olson. Yeah, big thanks. All right, so let's get into this. All right. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. The Ilkley Moor incident. And or encounter, if you will. Encounter incident. <laughs> it was it was um, an encounter, so you know, like it Sure. Yeah. Of multiple kinds for sure. I would say encounters fall below the umbrella of incidents. I mean, obviously. <laughs> if you want to get damn fucking technical about it (laughs) all right so philip spencer this fellow he is an ex-policeman right yeah he was an ex-policeman of four years yeah um okay so i i feel like this guy is a pretty trustworthy like you know trustworthy source right yeah i mean we talk about policemen um firemen soldiers people like that are trained observers oh yeah for sure right Mm mm-hmm so that's that's why it always like people love to mention when someone involved in a case like this has that training because it really does make a difference. And I think like, in this particular case he one ups that though. Being yeah. that I mean Philip Spencer is just a pseudonym. Sure. You know, so it's I think that's that's important that's an important takeaway here for sure. Before we dive into any everything else I mean, this guy didn't want any credit whatsoever. 
Yeah, which is huge. Yeah, is, I mean, I mean, if it were me, man, if I like, if I snapped a picture of an alien, yeah. or some being, I would be all over that. Like, I'd be like, yeah, I did this. This is me. I did it. All right, let's go. But yeah, no, this guy definitely. didn't want any of that. Like, you know, he no, he, he didn't was, want to be connected to it or profit from it yeah, in any way. Exactly. He just wanted answers. That's all he wanted. So, yeah. Which, yeah, I think I, I think it's pretty huge and also kind of crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. Why would you want that? I mean, I yeah, I guess quote-unquote fame might be a stretch, right? Sure. Um, You know, yeah, there's a line between famous and infamous, right? And exactly, yeah. I think he probably, he's the type of guy who would have considered being connected to this as infamy. Right. Yeah. Um, and he just wanted to stay out of like the tabloids and out of like you know any type of media and everything. Which I mean, I get. You know, he had a he had a wife and a child, and he yeah. recently moved out to you know this West Yorkshire area to be closer to his wife's family and everything. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure that's a good bit of it. Just getting settled into the quiet country life, and then exactly leaving bam. behind the city life. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. So the first thing I wanted to ask you about was the stones. The did you get any inform any extra information about like the? Because I know I've seen some pictures before. Yeah, of like I, these I stones didn't really with odd carvings. A whole lot into it, um, just other than like there are some that are quote unquote having supposedly had to have been having been there for like more than ten thousand years. Right. Um, which kind of makes me think of like you know it's it's kind of semi semi popular like Stonehenge. Yeah. Um which is a very, you know, also well known paranormal esque area. Definitely. Um you know, which I mean if you have like if you have some odd odd like stone formations and etchings and different things into these, like I mean, you're without a doubt gonna run into at least something that's gonna be out of the ordinary, I would have to say. Yeah. I, yeah, I'd agree with that. Because the first thing I thought when I learned about those stones was like, could this be like a druidic summoning thing like we had in the Leap Castle story? That's fair. Yeah. Right? Okay. Like, because I didn't quite, I I, yeah, I didn't quite think of that, like that aspect of it. So I, I, yeah, I guess you could be, you could definitely be right for sure. I mean, anytime you have those like, those like antediluvian stones, like with the carvings and the like, the basically like the last remnants of ancient civilizations, right? Right? Like, who the fuck knows what kind of power is there? Oh yeah, you know I, what I mean. I mean, especially like, and also it's a very, I mean, think of this like murky, like yeah. marshland essentially. You know, like yeah. that these these moors are in, and and if you're familiar with any, especially any like moors moors, especially in like the Yorkshire area of England and everything, I mean, it's very like grassy, wet, kind of like semi swampy area. You know, it's yeah, yeah, it's basically be... a bog. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So you know, I mean, yeah, I I, I could I can only imagine like what is essentially built up like you know in that area right yeah i feel like those places are like places of massive power like those 
just those places where those remnants, like I said, are like for something to last that long anywhere. I feel like there has to be some something special about it. Yeah, yeah I definitely agree. Um, yeah, it's something like to remain at least even semi untouched is yeah. is kind of the big thing there, right? So, like in these like rock formations and these random like etchings and you know stuff like that, like to have lasted for so long is yeah. yeah I think that's that's pretty big for sure. My second question was, who the fuck walks for an hour through the moor in the dark on purpose? So that was a really good question. And I really question this guy's motive in doing so. Like, I mean, granted, yeah, he's like going off to like visit off, you know, his his in-laws and everything. But you have the opportunity. You can take the roads. Yeah, it's going to take you a little bit longer to get there, but it's going to be less of a trek like you know like it'd be just a general walk yeah granted yeah it's a pretty long ass walk yeah like i mean why why didn't the guy drive there in the first place unless like they didn't have a vehicle or he just really like felt like taking a stroll that day sure i know he was into like photography and stuff and he liked to photograph the moors right so maybe he was just out there to get that right i think that's that's a big part of it is he was you know, he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and do this. Like, you know, get some exercise. Also grab some, you know, photographs as I'm on my way. Like, you know, yeah. why not get two birds stoned at once, right? So. <laughs> exactly. And, and like, speaking of his photography, I always, you know how I always complain that, like, people in ufology are never happy with anything i mean of like course. they always it, yeah. if it goes left they so bitch about goes. it not going right and yeah yeah so i'm about to join that party okay because Let's hats off to the guy for taking a photo because obviously ufology is filled with accounts with no proof whatsoever yeah right and it's just like and, any anything paranormal specifically right you know so but like sure it's great he took a photo but one photo? Why would I you mean, take one photo? He was too shocked. No. <laughs> if it, no. I know. Trust me. We're going to get into this conversation. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Um, but yes, you know, he and t- apparently was too shocked by what he had seen to this thing's be to that, take you more know, than that one. quick. Right. Christ. Like, if okay. it were me, man, I'd just be like, snap, 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 snap. Like, yes. keep going. Exactly. Like, yes. I would be doing as this fucking thing is like running away and everything. Like, as you're running, why not get some pictures? Like, and especially yeah. once it gets to the top, why is this camera not out? Yeah. Like, yeah. that to me is crazy. But, you know, I guess at the same time, you have to also look at it like, imagine in the moment when you're completely caught off guard. Yeah. And something so monumental and weird. Bizarre. Exactly. Occurs. Like, are you going to instantly think, I better grab a picture? Yes. Uh, see, I don't know <laughs> that I would. <laughs> like, I, I might just be like, whoa. And then I'd be like, man, I wish I would have taken a picture. Here's like, the thing. That would be me. But I. I I don't know. Maybe I would be too I, mesmerized, I guess. 
I get that defense most of the time, but if you have the presence of mind to take one photo, you have the presence of mind to take 40 photos. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I understand, you know, and, and that's where, that's where I kind of go back and forth. Um, but I also see that same, like that same thing being so like caught up in the moment that you just like, it slips your mind. I just find it incredibly frustrating because the thing is so bizarre. Whatever the thing is in this photo, it's like has uneven arms and like all this weird shit. Like I want to, I want to see it in motion. Like I want to see that same figure in a different position. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I mean, I think the whole entire world does, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of the thing about this photo is that, I mean, this is a very iconic picture that was taken on that particular day that yeah. is still, to this day, has never been able to be explained. Yeah, for sure. Despite, like, how many times they've tried to recreate it and, like, explain, you know, like, say, like, maybe this is a bush or right. a mannequin out the middle of this moory, boggy area. Yeah. I don't know why I'd be there, but that's another random you know, thought like, so yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely something that I don't know. I, I think it's pretty awesome. Um, you know, that, but again, not being able to fully explain it and everything, it gives it a lot more credence here. Yeah. So agree. But yeah, I get, I get what you're saying for sure. You know, and that's, it's kind of one of those like, yeah, if you happen to think about it, but again, just being in that situation, you might not think about it quite as instantly as you would think. Yeah. I mean, he was out there to take photos, right? right. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that was that was his primary goal as he was on his way, right? Yeah. Um. So, so yeah. I'm I'm assuming he already had his camera out. I mean, it's yeah. not like he had to like dig it out of a bag to take the photo. Well, even right? even in that one particular spot, he like he heard kind of the humming in the distance, didn't really think a whole lot, and then you know kind of stopped to snap a couple pictures of just the landscape, and yeah. that's when he saw this like creature like scurry off in the distance. So yeah, Can he already had his camera photos. ready to go. Ugh, I don't know. So it just it <clears throat> it's very frustrating. Yeah, like. I want more. But then we also have to get into the particular film that he had in his camera. Yeah. Which is a high ASA rated film, which is specifically designed for low shutter speeds and dark conditions. And that's one reason that the photo was so grainy and everything is because... Because it wasn't dark anymore. how light it was, exactly. Yeah. The photo is designed to, you know, like, yeah, just for low light conditions. So, you know, that's that's another bad part about this that, of course, is just co- coincidental, which I always hate saying, um, you know, but quote unquote but like, coincidental in this case. He wasn't expecting to be abducted for two hours before he got a chance to take some photos. So right, he thought it would course. still be dark and he was geared up for dark. Yeah, I mean, right. he's yeah. he's going at 7 in the morning. This trip yeah. is only supposed to take him an hour long, at the most. And that's yeah. with him stopping and grabbing some pictures and, you know, sure. like, slowly you know, moseying about and everything. Like, yeah, this shouldn't have ever taken him till 10 a.m. 
but so it I think, is what it I, is. Yeah. I think the best thing he did was getting in contact with Hoff. Yeah. Like, I know he he contacted the author, right? And then the author, she put him in touch yeah, with Hoff. Yeah, so Jenny Randall's put him in, in touch with Hoff. Um, so between, between working with, with Hoff and, um, Hoff and, and his buddy, basically, that was kind of helping him at the time, mm-hmm. um, who was it? Uh, Arthur Tomlinson. That's right. Um, yeah. so between the two, like, you know, they were helping him throughout this whole process. And Hoff is like a general contractor for ufo research like yeah he has like seems to have like a hundred universities on speed oh, yeah. dial he, he he is one that always has like he's just like okay well we can't get this information let's try somebody else like and right. he's just, it's all over the place i mean they even sent the picture to kodak laboratories yeah that's pretty cool which is huge um you know and even they like nobody that they could send the picture to really could explain what was in the picture and only state that the picture hadn't been doctored. Yeah. That that hadn't been superimposed into the photograph, which is pretty big. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, something was there. The problem, because there, again, there's only the one photo. The problem is we never actually get to see that it moved, that it was, you know, in action. Yeah. Surprise! I mean, I don't think this thing was so fast that Spencer couldn't have gotten a picture of it running away. Yeah. Like, unless he's like waiting, like you know, hands on his hips, like, all right, get get, get to it, buddy, <laughs> and then like, mean, takes off after him. Like, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, it doesn't look like a creature built for speed. No, not at all. It sort of looks like Roger from American Dad. I was thinking of uh, Dobby from Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, that too a little bit. Um, you know, like that's, yeah. So it, this little tiny, you know, not little tiny. He's like four foot, four and a half yeah. foot tall or whatever. Um, but yeah, like I don't see him running at like, you know, crazy fast speeds. At least not enough for like Spencer to just like quickly grab a picture before he takes off running. Yeah, he should have so, taken more pictures. I yeah, think I, we've established that. Like, yeah, it's it's just yeah, I agree. It's weird. It sucks. Like because you know you hear all these arguments like, oh, he just set up a mannequin out there and took a shot from a distance, or like, it, that's why? just a weird bush. That that's what I'm saying. Like, what counters that is the fact that he literally never got a thing from it. Like. Hats right. off to him that he managed to not become this like disgraced former policeman who went crazy and saw a fake UFO. That's what like because that's what the, most of these people are afraid of. Because yeah. so many people have literally had their lives ruined by seeing a UFO. Of course, I mean, yeah, and it, it's also about like you know the public's view at that point, right? So yeah. You know, and so you have these claims, and a lot of people are afraid to even go come forth with that, just for you know, like the possible, you know, the possibility of like ridicule and like things like that, which yeah, is unfortunate. But yeah, 
You know, and the thing about this is, is Spencer even signed over all rights, even copyright to the photo and everything, to Hoff in, like, early 1988. Yeah. So, literally, had had wanted wanted nothing to do with it. You know, which, that, that right there has to say something, I think. Yeah, that's enormous for motive, right? Because it's easy to say, like, he set up a mannequin or it's a weird bush or whatever, but, like... I, this guy does not feel like a ho- like a hoaxer to me. Right, exactly. I mean, because again, what does he get out of it? Um, yeah, it's just that's that's the parts that kind of like resonate with me is that you know he wanted nothing to do with it. He wanted no fame. Like he created a pseudonym. Like all these little little things that surround this. Um, you know, just I feel like it give it it gives it a lot more credibility. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like false modesty either. It's not like, oh no, you shouldn't. Right. Have. I mean, that's like a whole, he, That's a whole other right. A whole other yeah. thing. So, like he fought tooth and nail to stay anonymous. Yeah, and there were multiple times where he wanted to cancel. Like he wanted to stop everything. Yep. Just Especially because. when you know when the Men in Black showed up and exactly tricked him into thinking the press had it. Yeah, there was there was one one actual thing. Um, Getting into the Men in Black, and it's sure. something I didn't I didn't mention in the story. Um, that was actually really cool. And I was reading in um, uh, Jenny Randall's Randall's book. Um, is that during the time that these uh, that Jefferson and Davies were at Spencer's residence, they apparently kept like, kept really being focused on. He had this uh, this heater. Uh, essentially, like, think of it basically like a gas fireplace, right? Sure. And they were so intrigued by it and asked him numerous times, like, what is it? How does it work? And, <laughs> you know, all these other things, which is really weird. And I didn't I didn't feel like it was, like, really, like, you know, really pertained to the story. So I kind of left it out. Yeah. But to me, that kind of stood out a bit. Um, and that was one of the things he also reported is that they were very focused and very intrigued by his his gas fire space eater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, that- that's classic Men in Black behavior, too. The yeah. like, you know, reports of them like eating with their spoons sideways and like doing all this yeah. weird shit, like focusing on like a an ink pen and being like amazed by it. Yeah, so there's numerous questions that really come off of that, but the biggest, I guess the biggest kind of takeaway is that this is synonymous with multiple men in black encounters as well. Yeah, definitely. So So I think he probably met a few aliens. Yeah, for sure. I mean, assuming any of them were extraterrestrial. Because we can't assume that. Right. True. <laughs> yeah. You never yeah. know. But, um, I don't, obviously the most fantastic part of the story is what was revealed through regressive hypnosis. Right. Yeah. I, I the mean, time spent on the ship. I think that's, that's what the story really kind of comes down to is that. Uh, as they're doing that regressive hypnosis, yeah, it's everything that he experienced 
while he was abducted. Right. His loss of time, you know, everything, it really kind of explained what led up to those those particular moments, right? Yeah. Now, I should say, personally, I struggle with hypnosis, with okay. it, with taking it seriously. Yeah, I get that. I get that. It's just such an, like... It's it's so unreliable. I think my biggest thing is is when you get into like past lives and and all that stuff. Like you know, like yeah. when you get in that deep, I I really start to question at that point. Like I'm not, I, I'm I'm not one to say like you know past lives aren't a thing, but yeah, like I I find it a little bit harder to believe at that point. I mean, my thing is. Like eyewitness testimony in a in a court case isn't like eyewitness testimony gained through regressive hypnosis isn't okay. admissible. Yeah, I feel like, like it's across the board at that point, right? Right, or it could have been. Yeah. Like there's there's room for tampering, right? And also, you're dealing with like pulling these like chunks of memory out of the soup of subconsciousness and that's like how could that be precise in any way true you know what i mean i feel like the average human and this may may not sound right if i don't word it like properly but the average human is easily manipulated i agree and especially in a hypnotic state exactly and I think that's what regressive hypnosis really is. Yeah. Is mental manipulation that um, really is no benefit to you. Yeah. But the practitioner or the person performing, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and sometimes it's pulled out as something that's beneficial to them and, you know, that may make you look some kind of way sure um you know <laughs> putting it lightly but yeah. yeah yeah so it i i definitely i agree i think i think that you know that particular hypnosis is it's very i don't know that i i 100% buy it or at least by its authenticity yes um yeah aside from it's like aside from instances of like outright manipulation I think just telling someone you were probably abducted and then putting them in a hypnotic state to talk about it and explore it. Yeah. Like, are you telling me that your mind couldn't come up with a, an abduction scenario? Think of dreaming. Exactly. That's, that's what, that's all it comes down to is it's, it's, uh, I'm trying to think of the best, the best way to put it, but it's like conscious dreaming. Yeah, it's not even like micro dreaming, like we've yeah. gotten into multiple cases, but it's it's conscious dreaming that is manipulated by an external factor. So, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean that's literally all it is. I mean, really, like if any of you listening know more about you know hypnosis or any of that, please like email us. Yeah, like yeah, I, reach out on social. Conversation like, I'd, I'd love to have and learn more yeah, about. I mean, especially exactly. somebody that. 
can literally school us in it, which would be awesome. Yeah, um, I'd love to learn more because it's it feels so sketchy to me, and that may be because yeah, I don't know enough sure. about it. But you know, and if that's the case, please reach out, let us know. Um, but yeah, I the what actually happens, what he or what he describes during the hypnosis is pretty fucking wild. Yeah, I think that's because I mean. It's not like Singleton is really, like, influencing what he's explaining. Sure. Because, I mean, he he simply says, you know, think back. Tell me what you experienced. Yeah. What about this? What about this? Exactly. Yeah. And so, and, you know, and then Spencer is creating all of this in in his mind. Whether it's creation or whether it's, you know, a, it's, you know, cycling back or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, Singleton's really not influencing it at all. Especially when it comes to the transcript. At least in the transcript we're given. True. True. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I searched. I searched as hard as I could to find any of those three tapes that that Hill had had recorded. Because he operated three tape recorders of the incident of that particular hypnosis. And kept them but all to himself. They're impossible to find. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm very surprised by that. I mean, maybe it's because it's, you know, that maybe the tapes show something that the transcripts that they release don't. Or maybe the men in black ended up, you know, getting to them first. Maybe they came back and magnetized the tapes the way they magnetized <laughs> his compass. and Yeah. But Camera. actually, the Men in Black though didn't didn't magnetize the compass. Oh, I know the the aliens did. Right? Yeah, it was it was when he was abducted. Yeah, that yeah that that was changed. Yeah, because it's that happened. Of- like, what's okay? What's cool to me is like that this story has sort of like a like it gets timey wimey, right? Oh yeah, for sure. In Doctor Who terms, like because. In the the through line, he's just walking, right? And he gets his camera out, and he's like, oh, this will be a cool shot. And then, boom, alien, right? And then a wave that he thinks is warding him off, and then he makes chase, right? But, like, you find out that, like, in the, the time when he gets abducted was actually before he stops to take the pictures. Yep. And that right. particular alien that's waving goodbye was the one that was also beaming him up. Right. Right. So. So, like, they which, snatched him yeah. before he ever noticed anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. So, yeah, that, it's it's a pretty cool story. Like, the fact that, I don't know, the moment, to me, it's like the moment he notices, oh, it's brighter than I expected it to be. Yeah. That's like coming back from the missing time. Right. Right. Yeah. That was that was him. You know, kind of coming to that realization. Like, when did the sun rise? Yeah. Yeah. It was just dark. Right. He wasn't he, there for it, and he hadn't been even walking an hour. Like he, right. you know, like so. Um. Yeah. That. I mean, to come to that realization, and also not expect it, and for this particular time of year. Um, you know, and December being that the you know that you know sun rose at a specific time, whatever else. Um, you know, like for that to be a thing, and you know, you know, you left it dark. Yeah, and all of a sudden it's bright daylight. I feel like 
Isn't it cold in December in Yorkshire? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they they have you know obviously very similar winter, uh, and I that's mean, why I also mentioned in the story he's walking onto the frost covered ground as well. Yeah, that's a long cold walk. True. Yeah, like again, but the guy wanted to come out and you know photograph some nature and stuff. Like he's really that <laughs> dedicated to his hobby. <laughs> Apparently, I mean, he's guy's got to have something to do. He just you know retired from yeah. police to police force for the last four years who's to say what he did before that you know like so also who gets to retire after four years i <laughs> yeah i mean yeah lucky guy apparently you just go put four years in somewhere and then you're like well looks like i can spend the rest of my days sitting on the porch in rural england like, sounds phenomenal <laughs> right so show me all the aliens thing- you got if i can live like that one thing, like, I think about here is when we get into, like, like memory manipulation. Sure. Right? So we have we have these aliens. I mean, the only way that he's, like, learning of this is through this regressive hypnosis. Right. Um, so whether or not that's authentic or whatever, well, you know, that's besides the fact. But, like, thinking about, like, all, like... Any encounter you ever hear of an a, like any type of abduction or anything like that, generally, the person will never remember anything of it outside of when they're undergoing hypnosis or something right. like that. Something that allows them to quote unquote re-experience, right? You know the situation, right? So like. This particular case, which I found, you know, kind of curiouser here, because uh, they're showing him the different, fo- the different like films. Yeah, he sees this one particular film of basically the destruction of the world. Yeah, and then he's also shown something else that he can't explain. Sure, he's not uh, allowed. Which I hate because I want to know what it is. Yeah, but like, but why, like, um. <laughs> But no, like, why wipe someone's memory if you yeah. want them to remember something significant? This is like a very common trope in UFO abductions because, right, like, it exactly. reminds me a lot of like the Pascagoula abduction. It reminds me of like the um, what's the the one school in Africa? The, the um, oh man, of course, uh, starts with. The- uh, of course now I can't even I can't remember yeah. but yeah no that was but, just as bad yeah like where yeah. they like the the aliens abduct these people or encounter these people and they give them these like messages of like this is how you can fix your world this is what this is the right. danger of what's coming and then they wipe their memory and then they're showing but showing all these children this terrible yeah like these terrible images, but yeah, and then it's just boom, gone. Yeah. So if you want them to do something about it, if you went, if you came here with the purpose of like, you know, shifting the trajectory of humanity, why right. would you then erase your encounter with them? Do you from expect them like, to shit out a memory of some point? Like, right? Like, it, what? Like what? Yeah, it, that's that's what bothers me. That's what a lot As, of people talk about these encounters, like. um especially the ones where they're given these messages 
of like how to fix things, how to prevent disaster. A lot of yeah. people think time travel for these, yeah. right? Like this oh, yeah, is for sure. This is time travelers coming back trying to fix the mistakes that led to whatever terrible future they're living in, right? And but why would you wipe their memory? That does not serve exactly. the purpose. How yeah, how do you expect anything to be done if they don't know what's going on? Exactly. If they can't remember what you said, like, you know, I mean, yeah, that's that's just the part that really irks me. I mean, that, do you that's, do you wipe their memory just like cuz you know that there's some wobbly half science out there that can pull it back out? Like what is, is the it, point you of know that? There's going to be a point that they're going to stumble on something and then boom, it's all back. Right. Like is <sighs> that like is that I don't know. Is that like the whole goal? Like, it's just it's very consistent in yeah. cases like this. Yeah, I mean that's and it's very similar to like the aerial aerial. It's the aerial school. I I was gonna say yeah. that, but I was I was ugh, yes yeah yes the aerial uh-huh. school yeah yeah and that's yeah and I mean again and you have all these little kids being subjected to all the shit like. Yeah, I mean, people often like not to like jump topics or anything, but people talk about like they're always like, "Why don't you talk? Why don't? Why aren't they showing these messages to people who can do something about it?" You know what I mean? But yeah. like planting, I feel like planting seeds like this in like children in particular, but even like in like pillars of small communities, like community leaders, stuff like that, people like mm-hmm. that. Are, that makes sense to me. Like, especially kids. Yeah. Like, because... I the, mean, yeah, like, they're the next the, generation. The 80-year-olds running the world now are not going to be the people to solve climate change. No, because they're not going to be able to do anything about it. They're not going to be here long enough to do anything exactly. about it. Exactly. Right. So, like, shifting the, the opinions of an entire generation, That's that could be monumental, right? That could make, like, real change. Yeah. So, I I get that. It just still, I don't know, it's still just one of those things that really bothers me. That I think about, I, I don't know, I can't help but to think about from time to time. is just that, like, you give all this information, or you give all these suggestions. You give the key to, like, mankind's success, like, you know, like, successful, like, whatever. Yep. But then... You also take it away. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Maybe, like, okay. Are they just like messing with us? Or they're like, <laughs> you, you can <laughs> save it, but no, we're not going to let you. So here's the thing. It's a little, it's a little screenplay-ish, but it's an idea. What if the information is given by the, the alien beings that are encountered and the memory wipe is sort of initialized by the men in black what if that's like their way to try to prevent us from getting the information that the aliens are trying to give us because they then show up later to tell you you know don't don't talk about it don't spread the shit true yeah yeah i mean yeah i mean how many different cases have there been where they have came back and it's like you know this is a matter of basically life or death yeah 
Um, so, I mean, so you're saying basically, like, these aliens, essentially, give and implant this information and let it stay there, and then it's really on the men in black at that point where they're visited. Because it's always inevitable. They're always yeah. going to know. They always know somehow. Yeah. Uh, even though they don't know what a damn, like, you know, like, uh, gas fireplace or, you know, space heater exactly. or whatever else is. They always know everything else. They're the yeah. observers of Fringe, <laughs> if you're familiar with it. Um, you know, like, they know past, present, and future. Yeah. But at the same time, like, they can't do anything. Yeah. So, but why... Why? Yeah, yeah. That's oh, that's another. That's a whole other discussion now. I mean, because if you think about it, like their interaction, they're like is typically like the timeline usually goes like alien encounter, information download, memory loss, then memory regained, and then minute the men in black show up to threaten you to stay quiet. Yeah. Right. And then disappearance. Exactly. So maybe the memory wipe is their first attempt. They're like hands-off attempt at preventing you from spreading the information. And then when you go farther and you do the hypnosis or whatever occurs that you get your memory back, then they go in and try to strong arm you to stay quiet. All I know is I'd want to be one of the ones that retains those memories. Yeah. Like... I mean, even if I have to go down swinging, yeah. If I just that knowledge, I, and I don't know, there's just something to me like I I find fascinating, and I you know I would love to live many 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 years into the future, much longer than I know I will live. Um, you know, just to find out because I mean, it eventually will happen. Like we'll know like all these answers to all like the crazy questions of the universe. At some eventually, point. yep, exactly. And eventually, I would all this love to be around for it, but yeah, I mean, eventually, all this magic is going to be science, yeah, right? Once course. we understand everything, yeah. No, I get so, that. I, I, yeah, yeah but, I'd be fascinated by it too. But yeah, I, I, I do, I do agree. I mean, I think a lot of it could come down to these men in black because they're always there, and yeah. just in this particular case. You know, Spencer had told four people. Four I, people about the entire incident. Yeah, I think in my version of the Men in Black, they they knew the moment it happened. I mean, yeah. The moment he was contacted. I, I think so, too. Yeah. Because um, I think of them as sort of always also, watching. Right. That's, you know I mean? that's where I get into the observers from yes. Fringe. You know, they're past, present, past, present, and future. Right. They know all, they see all, and they've seen all. Right. You know, and so it's it's like one of those, like, are they trying to stop, like, this impending, you know, like, stutter in, in the world before we get into these other kind of crazy catastrophic events or whatever else? Like, right. Or is it just like too much information and can be really negative in the wrong hands? Or maybe it's just like an appro- there's an approved timeline, right? Sort of like... Yeah, that's possible too. Mm-hmm. 
that they have to preserve. Yeah, right? uh, that uh, that would make a lot of sense for sure. It's still, I mean, I don't know. It's just definitely bothersome for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to it. Like, that's what I that's what I love about ufology as a topic is like we can we can come on this podcast and discuss hundreds of alien encounters abductions sightings and believe me we fully plan to (laughs) yeah (laughs) and there are so many overarching big questions not just about not just about the presence of aliens on earth but about like the actual human experience and like what does all this mean to us as people and then again once we get into that that's a whole like that's a whole other like can of worms and a whole like rabbit hole to kind of dive down yeah um that's why i like using like into like history a lot too yeah that's why i like using these ufo encounters as like a way to just kind of like peek into that into that room you know of that discussion yeah of course yeah yeah, I mean, my I mean the best thing about this case for sure is the image. I yeah. I I you know I was giving him shit for only taking one, but it's still awesome. I know one thing Maccabee said when it was sent over to him, even though like you know, which is this U.S. Navy, uh, this guy like this optical analyst uh, physicist, right? Yeah, uh, for the U.S. Navy, you know, he, he even says like, yeah, the image quality is too grainy. And one bad thing about that is the way that that can trick your mind into believing something is something else that just because you want to believe it. Yeah, definitely. Um, which I get. Yeah, I get. You know, obviously, if you like, if you believe something so wholeheartedly, and you see it firsthand, you're gonna immediately assume that it is, you know, what you've known, right? Right. Pareidolia. Right. Like exactly. There's, yeah. Th- yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that. Definitely, like, because this. Honestly, I love this picture, but it also, like, it kind of reminds me of, like, a weird picture of, like, you know, it looks humanoid in the way that, like, a cactus would look humanoid from a distance. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, right. I. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, obviously I have my own, like, kind of, like, beliefs into what what I think and everything, um, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure we'll get into here in a minute, but yeah, like I can definitely see if it was specifically set up properly for it to appear as one thing and actually be something else. Yeah. Now with that said, I, I don't know. I mean, I think the information and everything that comes around it and the given like the hypnosis, like the regressive hypnosis, whether or not we like believe that that's really legit or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we have a lot of, we have enough solid semi definitive information to make at least a, you know, kind of informed decision on, you know, what it is or isn't. And so, and I, I personally, I mean, like I said, that's what I want to believe in. And that's, yeah, I think that yeah. that's, that's the route. 
like I said, given given like everything that he explained during that regressive hypnosis, it wasn't led. It wasn't he wasn't coached or anything like that. Right. Like that sells it for me for sure. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, <clears throat> I wasn't saying that it was a cactus or was a tree. Oh, of like, course, yeah. But that sort of that human, you know, phenomenon of pareidolia is like it's it's definitely plays in the photo because no matter what he actually took a photo of it's a collection of grainy pixels like it really is that's and then and you have to your mind has to connect the dots you know what i mean and even watch like looking at one of the photos like fully like manipulated and everything yeah contrast high contrast and all that exactly yeah yeah i mean granted you can see like the complete silhouette of this thing and it does look otherworldly for sure it does it definitely looks humanoid to me but who's also to say and this is something i like to get into a little bit that this isn't you know that a lot of these things aren't like undiscovered sure so but Again, that's going to be a whole other kind of idea, another rap, rabbit hole to like dive into. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I like the story, and I I really think I, I buy kind of Spencer's you know recollection of everything. And also, it's another one of those where it hasn't changed to this day, eighty plus years later. Just like we had with you know like a. Um, you know, specifically uh, some other stories uh, like Ed and Fred and the uh, the Flatwoods yep. case. They and go uh, on to be old men and literally retell the story the exact same. Yep. Same with Kentucky Goblins. Men. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, um, like, I feel a lot of that really, like, it has to say something and it gives it more, you know, credibility for sure. I agree. I definitely agree with that. I personally, I. I think he definitely saw something. I think he definitely chased something that got into a craft and took off. Obviously, most likely an extraterrestrial. Yeah. I don't think I buy the abduction portion of the story. Really? Okay. Yeah. I think even. I think it all goes back to my lack of trust in the hypnosis. I don't. So. Do you I think, think he may have more of like a defense mechanism or like something he dealt with to or something he used to basically deal with like um I guess this overall like mental manipulation and you know like already struggling with different types of you know, issues and things like that. I think he may have passed out during his walk. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then he sort of comes to he sees this insane creature, whatever it may be, and chases after it. And he's convinced that it's extraterrestrial, right? Because, I mean, he saw the fucking thing get in a ship and fly off into the sky. I so, mean, yeah, if you see something get into a ship and, yeah. you know, it's yeah, a fair, fly off and... It's a fair assumption. Pretty that, exactly, yeah. for sure. And I think having that in mind and having the missing time that I think could have been full completely natural, right? This guy's like, yeah, 
This guy's trekking through like a frozen moor in December in the dark. Like it wouldn't be weird to me if he passed out or if maybe he tripped and hit his head or, you know what I mean? It could have been anything that made him lose that time. And then I think months of talking with all these ufologists and eventually he gets, he gets instructed to do this hypnosis. And I think he probably going into the hypnosis had it in his head that he had been abducted, that that's what the missing time was. Right. And that's going to influence how that's going to properly work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then I think he probably just constructs, you know, this subconsciously. Well, you know, uh, after months of thinking he got abducted, I'm sure he spent night after night imagining what it would be like to be abducted. You know what I mean? So when you throw him in hypnosis, he's going to go right there to his imagination, you know? Hmm. Yeah, you're definitely, I mean, you're definitely right. You know, I think that's the, I think that could explain quite a bit for sure. But I definitely think he Uh, saw an alien. I think so too. He at least saw something of significance. Yeah. Um, You know, and again, this, this guy not having you know like any any desire to really like have these things like drawn to him and have all this information kind of like out and you know out and about into the public like yeah i mean to me it just it makes it so authentic and different than a normal case yeah they'd be similar to this right yeah because this is not a guy who's like riding the convention circuit you know what i mean like this is I don't buy for a second that he's a hoaxer. Not for a second. I don't either. I mean, why would he be? Because yeah. he gets nothing out of it. Yep. And again, he already signed over the rights of the story, the photograph, everything. Yep. He didn't want anything to so, do with any of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so yeah. My my official position, I guess you might call it, is I I think he encountered an alien, but I don't buy the hypnosis section. I think that was probably just okay. subconscious, subconscious. I mean, thought. I brought- think that's that's what a lot of alien induced uh, like manipulation things like that is going to be all like subconscious based, right? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I, I I'll have to agree with you there, um, but it's pretty cool nonetheless it is it definitely is and i i love the way that he really described the particular like particular like encounter of the abduction like that just to me like that's my in my favorite part of the entire thing for sure yeah no it's it's an awesome it's an awesome transcript for sure all right well i think that uh, wraps up episode 28 the Ilkley Moor Encounter. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week. And it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you. So please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. 
It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown.